Google is constantly adjusting its search engine algorithms. And this is all in an effort to remain the best, most relevant internet search engine in the world. But where are the opportunities and which SEO techniques should you apply if you want to make it possible for your blog to rank higher in the Google search rankings? Hi, my name is Lisa Neven and this is the Online Blog Academy podcast. Today we will talk about five easy techniques that you can implement today to make your blog rank higher. So I was actually going to do an episode today on Pinterest and more specifically on how to increase your website visitors through Pinterest. But I received quite a lot of questions in the last week about SEO, about what works, what doesn't, quick fixes, and things that make a difference. I feel SEO has been on everyone's mind for the past few weeks, especially with the new Google Core update on the 2nd of June and the second one that is going to take place in the beginning of July. A lot of bloggers saw their search engine rankings decrease and their traffic tank, which is highly demotivating and actually a little bit scary. In order to help you grow your blog and improve your SEO, I have put together a list of five SEO techniques that you can implement today to help your site rank high in Google search results. Are you one of those bloggers that hates the technical side of blogging and just churns out amazing blog posts and content? Well, then I actually have some great news for you. John Mueller, senior webmaster trends analyst at Google and probably one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet when it comes to Google, SEO and search rankings, recently said that Google will actually start valuing good content over the technical side. Although that does not mean that you should just ignore your page speed or keyword research and user experience just because you have an amazing blog post on your website. So yes, writing amazing blog posts will remain your number one priority because from now on, Google will most likely start to recognize your efforts and rank you higher. But, and there's always a but, there are still a few things that you need to think about when writing blog posts. And that is what we will be talking about today. Have you ever had that experience where you just published an amazing blog post? Like it was so, so, so good. And you are sure that people will love it, that Google will love it, and that you will be ranking on that first page in no time. And then a week passes, two weeks, a month, four months pass, and your article isn't even ranking within the 51st search results. I mean, you were so sure that you added in the right keywords, that your content was top-notch and that all of the technical SEO in that particular post was just on point. Well, you might not be ranking because your blog post is serving the wrong search intent. One of the biggest mistakes we make when doing keyword research is trying to frantically optimize an article for a specific keyword. Just because some SEO tools said that this particular keyword were bringing a ton of traffic. The thing is, people use Google to look for answers, whether it is how to make something, whether it is um, what to do somewhere or even what to buy. And it is Google's priority to find the right answer within millions of search results. 
the one answer that will satisfy that user intent, the one post that will answer the question that the user has. And Google will put these search results, the search results that provide that answer at the top of the search rankings. Okay, that might be a bit confusing. So let's just say that you're writing an article on the 10 best Indian dishes and keywordtool.io or Ahrefs comes back with the keyword butter chicken recipe that gets like a gazillion hits a month. Will your article on the 10 best Indian dishes rank for the keyword butter chicken recipe? Uh, very unlikely because people using the keyword are probably looking to make butter chicken at home rather than just wanting an overview of the best Indian dishes. The search intent of the reader differs from the information that is provided within your article. So it is basically your job to find out what the visitor or user wants to find and to then craft an article around that intent. You need to present the visitor with a complete solution to his or her problem. Sometimes this can be very easy, like butter chicken recipe, which indicates that the visitor is looking for a recipe. But what about the keyword butter chicken? Like, what does the user want? Well, the first thing to do here is to go to the search results yourself. Just have a look at what Google is ranking for that particular keyword. Have a look at what questions get answered, what problems get solved. Let's take our example of butter chicken. We see that Google presents us with pages and pages of recipes. So the user intent for butter chicken is probably the same as that for butter chicken recipe. Okay, let's have a look at a harder one. The keyword moisturizer subarachic skin. I have chosen this keyword because it's quite niche and people looking for this keyword probably know what they're looking for, whether it is a buying guide or a product. And this reflects in the search results where on one side we are presented with pages where you can buy moisturizer for seborrheic skin. Um, but you will also have blog posts about the best moisturizers for seborrheic skin and questions answered about the treatment of seborrheic skin with moisturizer. Okay, so what is the search intent here? Well, we don't really know and Google doesn't really know and Google is just guessing. But that does mean that this keyword is a complete open goal for you. I mean, if you write an amazing article on what seborrheic skin is and how to treat it with moisturizer and the best moisturizer for seborrheic skin, then you have a high chance of conquering a high spot in the search rankings. Why? Because you answer every single question that the person looking for the keyword moisturizer separate skin might have and you basically combine everything that we can find on the first page every single you know answer every single post and you make a big guide for it um, which means that every single person landing on your page that use that keyword will probably have an answer to their question like in any case don't try to come up with more of the same like this this won't help you or your blog google has no reason to place your piece higher in the search results if you do not provide added value or do not approach it completely different from your competitors i mean sure sometimes you can't really add any other value like let's say you're writing a piece on the best hotels in a certain city i mean there's there's not much wiggle room but then you can work on providing the reader with more in-depth information or even a better formatting, um, which means that they can get the, the best information and answer to their question faster. 
Your website also needs to be mobile friendly. So as of this month, Google has actually started to index the mobile version of your website before the desktop version. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means that when we look at uh, speed performance, performance in general, user friendliness, that uh, mobile has become a lot more important. It used to be that the desktop version was taken as a reference and that a great user experience on mobile devices was just a big plus, but now it really is a necessity. So if your blog does not work smoothly on a tablet or a smartphone, this may actually have major consequences for your rankings. Google recently said that mobile friendliness as a ranking signal will have a significant impact on the search results. And most users nowadays use their phones to browse the web. In fact, if people wanna buy something, they're more likely to just use their phone first to look for the information and then switch to their desktop to make the purchase. Although that was a research from three years ago and that has been changing. I mean, I think I speak for a lot of um, bloggers here where, where we see that our affiliate income has shifted a lot from uh, you know, desktop to uh, mobile. So mobile really is very, very important. If you would like to check the core web vitals of your mobile or desktop website, head over to onlineblogacademy.com and there I will explain to you how to check your core web vitals um, to make sure that you're doing everything right. I might have talked a lot about user experience and this is actually no coincidence. Google only loves you when your users love you first. And that is why user experience has become ever more important with every single Google update. So to make sure that your user experience is good, um, you should first of all limit the amount of ads on your website or at least make sure that the ads fit in nicely with your formatting. Your page speed is also incredibly important. When a user lands on a website that is very slow, the first thing he or she will do is just click back to the search results especially when on mobile. Because on mobile, you know, we have significantly less patience, probably because it is harder to just leave the tab loading in the background while you do something else. And this means that your website does not only need to be mobile friendly, it also should be fast loading. Last but not least, you should also try to make sure that the formatting on your web page is on point. Try to use bullet points, headers, bold text, etc to please both in-depth readers and skim readers. So make sure that people find the information that they're looking for within a blink of an eye. And that everyone can read deeper into the subject either by providing them with more information on the page itself through a link, linking to um, another web page on your website or even linking to another authoritative website. As a blogger, you will need to guard your online reputation. Wait a minute, Lisa, what do you mean by this? How does my online reputation impact my SEO? Well, Google actually looks at how other people talk about your content, whether it is um, on their blogs or on social media. It is not yet sure how this may impact your you know, SEO rankings, but it does mean that this might become an important factor in the future, especially for YMYL sites. 
YMYL stands for Your Money, Your Life. These sites include health websites, budget websites, websites giving financial advice, websites giving health advice, etc. And Google has actually made it harder for these websites to rank if they cannot show a lot of EAT. And EAT here stands for expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. So basically Google would look at a health website and think, okay, so who is this author? What expertise does the author have? How trustworthy is the information on this page? What authority does the author have to talk about health matters? This means that if you are a dermatologist talking about skincare, you will have a lot more EAT than just some random girl, I don't know, from Essex, <laughs> talking about how to treat eczema. But what if you're not a doctor or a financial advisor? What if you're just a blogger with a keen interest in health or skincare or finances and you want to advise others? How do you build a solid online reputation that will help you to increase your EAT? Well, first of all, you should make sure to explain what expertise you have on the topic of your blog in your About Me section. So for instance, if you say, oh, I took courses on dermatology or I am an expert on skincare because I studied it in high school or in uni, but I'm not a dermatologist, whatever, uh, just include that in your About Me section. You can also use guest blogs to further your expertise as most guest blogs will allow you to write a short bio. And then last but not least, make sure that your blogs are, your blog posts are actually very well researched, that they're scientific and correct. Google probably won't rank a post that explains how to cure cancer with essential oils because this content can be incredibly dangerous to the reader's life. So make sure that if you write something that it is 100% scientific and that you have the scientific papers to back it up, link to scientific papers, link to your sources, make sure that authoritative websites that have a lot of EAT link back to your website as well. Last but not least, link building is still incredibly important. If you have a blog post that is ranking within, let's say the first 30 search results, and you are 100% sure that the article matches the search intent, try to build some links to the article. If you're a blogger, you will actually be able to find quite a few Facebook groups that can help you with this. There is, for instance, a Facebook group on travel collaborations, where travel bloggers ask other travel bloggers for their input or, or a picture in exchange for a backlink to a relevant yet non-competing blog post. And this word, relevant, is actually incredibly important. I mean, you can just go to Fiverr and buy hundreds of backlinks, but they probably will have very little relevance to your website. If you, for instance, have a travel blog, you will want a link back from a blog that also writes about travel on a post with a similar theme to the one you're linking to. So if you have a post about the best hotels in London, and I would like to build a link to it. It is very little use for me to get a backlink from an article talking about the best IT software in 2021. In fact, I want a backlink from a high DA website from a blog post that talks about traveling to London, whether it is on how to take the underground or the best coffee bars near London Bridge. As long as the post is about London, I'm golden. Okay, so what does this mean? How do I personally approach link building? Well, 
all the links I build are very purposeful. Like I'd rather build one really good link than 10 shitty links. I want to build links from high day domains, domains that fit my niche and blogs that fit the theme of the post that I'm, you know, linking to. I don't want to build common links. I mean, those haven't really worked for years or links from directory pages because those are not purposeful. And I know that these kinds of links cost like a penny on Fiverr, but if they would really work, if they would really make a difference, then every single website would be ranking first place. And that's not really possible, is it? The number of links built to your post will still have a great impact on the ranking position, especially for YMYL websites, you know, the Your Money, Your Life websites that I mentioned before. And honestly, backlinks as a ranking factor are here to stay. So it would be a good idea to keep building backlinks to posts with a high earning potential so they can keep ranking today, tomorrow and far into the future. Okay, that was it for today. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can just contact me on info at onlineblogacademy.com. Next week, I will try and do an episode on how to use Pinterest to drive traffic to your website. But obviously, this depends on the kinds of questions or feedback that I receive in my mailbox this week. Please don't forget to subscribe or leave a review if your podcast app allows it. Or just, you know, share this podcast episode with other bloggers that might really benefit from the information today. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And I will see you next Friday for a completely new episode.